Recorded in the 80s, but kind of in the 90s and sort of today. I'm Alex. But not the Alex you know. No, we are the parents of, we are the fathers of (laughs) Alex, Justin, and Pete, who've come from the past to record this strange thing called a podcast (laughs) about the show that we've never seen, but will come out in the future called Riverdale. I'm confused about that. (laughs) That's the plot of this episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And you are listening to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's hit show, Riverdale. We are going to be talking about The Midnight Club, the highly anticipated flashback episode of the show. Flashback. Flash dance. Uh, okay, yeah, you just keep referencing stuff, I guess. 80s. Might be the best episode yet. (laughs) Really? Really? Wow, did you really think so? I had such a great time with this. Excellent. You love 80s music. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, as soon as the episode started to come on, I actually got shaky because I've been thinking about this and we've been talking about this for so long. I felt like it delivered on the hype. Like I had all these expectations and it was so much more enjoyable than what I thought. And uh, man, it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, also, we, Cheryl was so hold great. On, hold on, you're you're so excited. You're just completely jumping ahead. Yep. Yeah. But just to continue talking about the episode in general, we've been talking about a flashback episode since the first season of yeah. this podcast. We wanted it. We've asked for it. We've demanded it. Yes. <laughs> well, they've dropped so many hints. They casually mention things about things that happened back in the day in Riverdale <laughs> that we knew this had to be coming at some point. I think we predicted what was going to happen in the first season. It didn't. We predicted what was going to happen in the second season. It didn't. Finally, in the fourth episode of the third season, it's here. Um, I don't think it delivered everything that we expected. No. But I was still pretty psyched for it as well. It was very fun. They should do one of these a season. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Treehouse of Horror. Exactly. So let's get into the recap for this episode. Even though it takes it back, there's a lot of stuff you guys need to know. First and foremost, there is a evil role-playing game called Griffins and Gargoyles that is is taking the town of Riverdale by storm. It has already led to the deaths of several kids, seemingly at the command of some sort of being or person or something like that. Tall person. A tall person. Never trust a tall person. I don't trust him. That's why. I I am the tallest member of this group, though, so I guess that's it it all right there. The least trustworthy. (laughs) At the hands of the Gargoyle King, who is a creature in the game, but also seems to be in the real world, some sort of stick and bone and meat monster. He also has privileges at the hospital and go in and out whenever he (laughs) pleases, which is very nice for him. Privileges. Also, he can come in and out of the school, apparently. Alex yeah. is dying to get into the hospital game. He just can't get it. He has no privilege. How do you do that? How do you get into a hospital? I don't know. You gotta have a baby. Oh, man. Uh, another one? Yeah, sorry, no, dude. No, thanks. I, don't go to, I didn't go to the hospital first, too. I'm not going for this one either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nice. Dude, also, you can just get Jello and eat it at home. Oh, no. Can I tell you a quick story, just as a side oh, note? Yes. Uh, so this was uh, my wife and I were having a stoop sale years ago, okay. and I don't know if you ever had a stoop sale in Brooklyn. You get all types there. Yeah, yep. all types of people come by. Uh, we were sitting there; nobody had come up for a while. And we saw this guy across the street, and we're like, "Oh no, he's going to come over. He's going to talk to us." Yeah, uh, and he came over and proceeded to have probably a half hour conversation with us about the food at the hospital, uh, and then not buy anything. And the main thing that I remember is him telling us that the best meal of the hospital is the paste meal because you can spice it however you want. Paste? Paste meal. What, is the what does paste? that mean? I We didn't want to ask. Oh, okay. Paste, P-A-S-T-E? Uh, P-A-S-T-E, yeah. 
What does that mean? He's eating paste? I don't know. know. We've talked about it for years at this point. (laughs) That dude's the gargoyle king. Oh, Oh, shit. I figured it out. right there the whole time. So another person that knows who the gargoyle king is, Alice Cooper, Betty's mom. She has known about it for a very long time. She told the farm, the cult that she's gotten into uh, about griffins and gargoyles and what happened back in the day, but she hasn't told Betty, which made Betty super mad about that. Yeah. We should also mention there is a bunker deep below Riverdale where some of the nerdier folks in Riverdale were playing Griffiths and Gargoyles. And at the end of the last episode... It's a sex bunker. It's a sex bunker. uh, Ethel Muggs created versions of the Griffins and Gargoyles manual for everybody at Riverdale High, passed it out everywhere, and immediately, because role-playing games are very popular in society, oh. everybody started playing. Everyone went That's nuts for it. They that went is not insane. true. Yeah. Have you ever seen Critical Role? People love that show. Yeah. No. Love it. Nope. Don't know about that. <laughs> okay. It's a popular show. Uh, well, anyway, I, I think that pretty much brings us up to date. There's a bunch of other things that we touch on from back of the day as we go into the episode. Uh, but let's kick it off. Justin, walk us through yeah. this episode, oh, please. Man. So right at the gate, we have some uh, voiceover telling us how everyone in town is just footloose for role-playing games. Uh, everyone's is that the only good. 80s movie you know? <laughs> I didn't say that okay, yet. Loose. I said Flashdance before, oh, okay. which is I, I very different. Up. I yeah, those up. Very different. Also about dancing. Footloose. I'm going to argue better than Flashdance. No one would ever argue that point. <laughs> what are you talking about? What? Footloose? You love Flashdance is, is The only thing anybody ever great. remembers from Flashdance is water getting poured yeah. out. Footloose, everybody remembers the whole plot. Uh, well, yeah, that's because it's crazy that a town said you can't dance. <laughs> it's like a town into role-playing Well, games. it's like in uh, Flashdance, they say you can't Flashdance, right? I Honestly, think? let me let me be honest. I don't know what Flashdance is. <laughs> I've never seen it. What? <laughs> it's so right up your alley. Why? What's it about? <laughs> it's about someone chasing their dreams, you know? Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you just oh, described cool. every movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially <laughs> every 80s movies. I do love movies. Just like Tommy Boy's about a guy chasing his dreams. Yeah. Oh, no, oh I love not. movies uh, where characters have arcs. Yeah. <laughs> It's that movie with a middle and then an end. Uh, so we uh, jumping in. Doctor Curdle Jr., who uh, <laughs> runs the uh, the mortuary at the police station, says that. Uh, oh, he calls the high school, of course, yeah. to talk to students. Yeah, calls, I do talk like to that Betty. he specifies that it's Doctor Curdle Jr. and not his father, Doctor Curdle. Yeah, that's nice. That's helpful. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> what a legacy to uh, with. Right. To take so from Betty and Veronica friend. are talking about G and G and how they're not playing G and G and none yeah. of their group are playing. I like G&G. how they said B. Are you playing? No, V is not playing. I, love I wish they had played and that B. up in like more of a Seinfeld way. Like B, do you G and G? No V, I don't G and G. Yeah, that's that fun. Good. Yeah, really should have Seinfeld did it up. Yeah, this episode was garbage. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I love this episode. Oh my god! Uh, so they have the whole conversation. Uh, Doctor Curdle Junior yeah. uh, reveals that there's a little more something going on there. That this death sounded familiar from his father's old cases. Yes. And, uh, well, wait. Before that, though, we should talk about the school scene because the entire school finds out about G and G, right? Well, their books everybody's are everywhere, and everyone's reading, playing, yeah. right? But we, uh, we Hermione, that. the scene with Hermione happens right before that. Yes, right? yes, yes. And yeah, she's so like, "Stop her, playing." Yes, the mayor comes up. Jughead is like, "So." are you going to admit that these kids killed themselves because of G&G? And she's like, yes, I'm literally here to tell you that right now, Jughead. Um, But I like that move. I like the move that they are... What? She banned anyone from playing it. Yeah. Uh, I like that Hermione is being proactive about it. It's also they're being very clear about their inspiration for this arc because that is what happened with Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. If I remember correctly, it was even the second edition. Oh, you're talking about (laughs) D&D? Yeah, yeah, D- oh, okay, yeah, right. yeah, D&D. Yeah. Uh, I think it was even D&D 2nd Edition that got banned for being satanic, so yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's not even so much a reference as exactly a thing that happened that then they're repeating yeah. on the show. My town, uh, CNL got banned. Shoots and ladders. <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a fucked up game. Yeah, everyone was climbing up stuff and sliding down. Everyone was oh, losing. Man, it was sort of like the footloose of uh, my town. <laughs> oh, man. No one's allowed to see you slides in my town. Uh, so, yes, that all uh, sets up the, uh, the conversation between Betty and Alice, which is what the episode is about. Yeah. Uh, Betty's like, what is the deal? She you goes know to this. mom and is yes. like, all right, spit. 
And yep, she says spit, and that's all she says. And then Alice is like, "Here's the story." Uh, this is a f- we have the Pete filter over our microphones, so we speak like Pete thinks. It's uh, gonna it's gonna come back into play later. I can't wait. Uh, you thinking like you? You're right. No, no, he's talking about the spit because yeah. there's yeah. a spit promise later on. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, yeah, that doesn't really come into play so much as you accidentally said spit, and then you're like, "I'm gonna retroactively justify this in some way." Fine, you can. Whatever you think. Uh, that is what I think. Alice is ready to tell her tale. Which yes. was nice that Alice was finally truthful with for, with her daughter. And uh, yeah, totally. And the, this so it becomes uh, her narrating this whole story. And, and she wasn't like crazy Alice. It was like regulation Alice, which yeah, I was regulation. very happy. In. And all of the we have all of our the characters we know and love playing their parents. Oh, which. Super. Ooh, which is great. So is let's run down this before we get into the plot. Let's yeah. well, let's talk about who we liked, who we think was the strongest playing their yeah. parents in the episode. To give you guys who didn't watch it uh, the rundown, although I assume most of you did, uh, Lily Reinhardt is playing teen Alice. Uh, Ashley Murray is playing teen Sierra McCoy. Uh, wait, what's her actual? What's her last name in the episode? I think that's... Oh, I don't know what her yeah. maiden name is. But yes, Sierra McCoy. Josie's mom. Uh, Kevin is playing Tom Keller. Uh, yeah, that was fun. KJ Appa is playing Fred Andrews. Cole Sprouse is playing F.P. Jones. Uh, and then it goes on from there. We get introduced to a bunch more yeah. of them. Uh, Major Curta is playing Diltonstad. Yeah. Uh, Charles Melton is playing Reggie's dad. On and on. Oh, and... Uh, the big guest star that we get is we get Mark Consuelos' son is playing the young Hiram. In uh, a very because, small cameo. <laughs> yes, because Camila Mendez is playing uh, Hermione Lodge. Uh, so what do you think? Who of the episode, who is strongest, who didn't quite nail it? Uh, I mean, I got to say... Uh, Archie playing Fred Andrews. He killed was, it. He, he was, did a great job. He was nine oh two one owing so hard. In this I episode. loved it. He it was, was truly. Great. He was like vintage Luke Perry, nineties yeah. Luke Perry. Yeah. so hard. I I thought that was. I could not believe how well he did that. Like I've yeah. seen videos of him doing impersonations of other members of the cast before, uh, but. This was like he had this. He had the sort of like angle of yeah. Luke Perry's eyes. I don't know down. how he did it. <laughs> it was really that. good. It was great. Even though he didn't change his voice too much, it clearly like the intonation yeah. and the line oh, readings yeah, were Luke just... Perry. Um, the hair, of course, they yeah, had the hair was great, as well. Yeah. The only part that broke it for me is when he took off his shirt. And I was like, nope, that's KJ. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, Luke Alex. Perry made out of marshmallows. <laughs> hey, you watch your mouth. That's not true. Slam. Uh, can we finally talk about how amazing? Cheryl was as Penelope. Yes, uh, sure. Cheryl <laughs> was absolutely. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We the permission <laughs> yeah. to do this thing. Talk yeah, about it, Pete O. Ring. What? That's what we always say on this podcast. Yeah, we we do the intonation. You ask us if we could talk about it, and then we say the intonation, and then you're allowed to talk about it. Yes, and then uh, I don't know what's happening. But anyways, yeah. thank you. Uh, I couldn't. Uh, normally, Cheryl is amazing, but this was a whole nother level of Cheryl amazing in this Madeline episode. Patch. Uh, Cheryl being like nerdy <laughs> Cheryl was just glorious. Penelope. And then when the uh, the concert was happening, and she was nerdy dancing. Oh, it was just. Absolutely phenomenal Every time she was on screen It was gold, I tell you Sherry, it was gold my, Wow, great I'm glad we're doing more Seinfeld stuff I think um, my actual favorite though Was uh, I think Cole Sprouse uh, playing, really? playing his dad I thought was, wow. was my favorite yeah. He was the one for me That kind of went by Where I felt like Oh, that's Cole Sprouse Just Cole Sprouse in over there mm-hmm. um, But it, it, what, what did, did you a great like job about him? What do you feel well. like he channeled with Skeet? Uh, he was doing a lot, a lot of great Skeeting. Uh, his hair was doing a lot of acting. And I feel like it was just the seeing the difference of him uh, as being Jughead and then being um, just the tough uh, jockey dude, I thought. I just thought he did a good job with it. I My favorite, beyond the ones that we mentioned, though KJ Apa is like a very close second because it was such a ridiculous impersonation. Um, but the heart of the episode was Lily Reinhardt as yeah. Tina Alice. And like KJ Apa, she channeled Madchen Amick. Like if you look at yeah. old pictures of Madchen Amick, they got the hair perfect. They oh, got the, the hair look was perfect fantastic. And everything yeah. like that. That was great. But again, there was something about her line readings, particularly as she got further into the episode, that felt so perfectly Alice and so different from Betty. But the thing that I think was neat about it uh, was whether intentional or not in a lot of these performances, you saw a continuity 
from the parents to the kids. Like, I think that's something that actually helped a lot because obviously these people aren't related to each other, but there's a lot of shows where you watch where like, they don't look anything like each other. And then they also don't act anything like each other, the kids and the parents, but you could see a line going from teen Alice to adult Alice back to Betty, particularly in that performance. And I thought that was was awesome Uh, for sure. Also speaking of cameos, the principal, was one of the original Breakfast Club crews, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, Mr. Featherhead. Yeah. Yeah, so Mr. Featherhead is played by Anthony Michael Hall, uh, yeah. as you mentioned, from the Breakfast Club, which is the main... Uh, uh, riff. Riff of, of this episode. Homage. Inspiration yeah. of this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also of note, he was in the Breakfast Club with Molly Ringwald, who plays Mary Andrews on the show. She didn't show up this episode. Huge bummer. Not yep. a time traveler, as it turns yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even get to see teen Mary Andrews, which would have been like a little winky. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it's all right. It was nice to see him. It was nice of him to show up and do his thing. Yeah, he definitely did. So let's start thing. walking through the episode. Uh, so we get uh, Dancing With Myself, great hit, great 80s hit right out of the gate. Alice is pregnant. Um, oh, yeah. which I, which the it, bathroom scene. It was very exciting to see our first cameo of the star of Riverdale, Chick. <laughs> what? <laughs> She's pregnant yeah, no, with Chick. Chick. Well, oh, she was. Is that Chick? She was pregnant with Charles. Yeah, Charles. Who Charles. Would yeah. later grow up oh. to be Chick. No, no, no. no. no Charles, know, Charles and Chick are two different people. Yeah, but it Unless was. Unless there's a twist there. I mean, it did, like. What happened to your if, voice? You were like, uh, well, I got very excited because tip. if you look at that pregnancy test and you look at the pink cross there, it does kind of look more like Chick than it did oh, Charles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I like to think so. Uh, but I will say more seriously, I love that moment because that immediately firmed in what we were going to be dealing with this episode. Yeah. And that's. In the mythology of the show, such an important piece of lore that we haven't seen, we haven't understood exactly why did she not stay with FP? Why did she end up with Hal? What happened? Why did she keep this baby? Why do, Why all of these things? And that they built it around this event, I thought, gave the episode a lot more weight than yeah. it could have. Yeah, yeah I agree. And it just... The, Drama factor was cranked up pretty high. Oh, man. Right yeah, I mean, there was a cat fight quota that yeah. went through the there roof. There were a lot of cat fights. Uh, the boys go on a little streak. Uh, well, wait, we t- talk about the bathroom first. So, yeah, the, so the bathroom fight uh, between um, uh, Well, we get to see Alice. all of the girls interact, which I thought was nice yeah. to start things off. Penelope uh, is sort of the uh, tattletale, uh, yeah, the problem. which I thought was great. Yeah. Um, but still up for a little chaos now and again, which I thought was for good. Sure. Um, and I also, I like the detail. What, it, what was uh, Sierra writing on uh, in lipstick? She was uh, free South Africa or end apartheid or something yeah. like that, which is like, hey, we're in the 90s, just so you yeah. know, just so you know what's going on. You're hearing an 80s soundtrack, but it's definitely the 90s right now. <laughs> yeah, why, why draw the line? Right. Uh, boys go streaking, and we get the title sequence very much in the an homage oh, to Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell title sequence uh, was glorious. Uh, well, I mean, title card, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, that made me laugh out loud when yeah, they did that. that was great. Uh, very and fun. I'll mention, I know you guys get annoyed when I mention my day job, but I talked to... Uh, you fucking piece oh, hold of shit. On, hold on. I talked to Sherry Chung, who's the co-composer yeah. of the thing. They were... So excited about yeah. coming up with the score with this. I think the quote that uh, stuck with me the most was her saying, "Like I wish it was harder to do this." Yeah, that they were basically like, "Yeah, make it as eighty as you want." And she's like, "Done. I'm, yeah. We're on it. And we got it." <laughs> and, and it I was think, great. Yeah, they nailed it. The music was a huge part of this episode. I thought yeah. um, we and we get right into the Breakfast Club, uh, sort of yeah, like a thousand word essay. Uh, they're stuck there. Yeah. All the people from different social groups have to f- come together. Oh man. Uh, uh, which was cool. Wait, it was sorry. Really sorry to interrupt. This has nothing to do with the flashback part. This is just a detail I remembered from the episode that I want to mention before I forget. Uh, back in the classroom scene with Hermione, on the chalkboard in the background, there's a note that says, Review Chapter 37. Mm. So just something to think about for later in terms of Easter eggs. I know I'm completely interrupting our flow here, Uh, but this is chapter 39. I think if we go back to episodes, there might be some clues for what's going on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's my theory right now. Just throwing that out there. Well, Did you do that? No, oh. I haven't had time. I'm oh, really busy. I've been watching this episode on a loop, bro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, 
we get a lot of hot details of about F Palace. We get a nice little oh, shot of man. them just going at it, yeah. 90s style, where you tear their clothes off in school, <laughs> uh, yeah. which we all remember. Well, and I also, I like, everybody has a different riff in this episode. Yeah. Everybody has like a little twist to something that you knew about them, maybe except for Fred, though, even with him, there's a couple of new details we find out about his past, um, even though he is very much the good guy. Uh, but FP is probably the biggest change of all because yeah. he's trying to fight against his father. Um, he is literally fighting against his father yeah. to the point where his arm gets broken. Uh, he's wearing a cast straight out of it. I, I don't know if you guys caught that, but it says loser written on it and the S is crossed out and there's a V written over it, which is the cast that the kid is wearing in it. Mm. Um, so that's a little shout out there. Um, and, uh, you get to see him. He's trying to be the perfect kid. He's trying to be what Archie is supposed to be. Yeah. Even though that's not really who he is. Um, or maybe it is. I don't know. I guess that's he kind of what very we're exploring. Aceves, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what they're trying to, I think he goes through a change in the episode. I, I think he is sort of the Archie. Yeah. Uh, back then. And Fred Anders is sort of, I don't know, the, just the earnest. One. Yeah. It's the earnest night. Yeah. Errant Knight. Uh, so I think it, I think the episode changes him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Penelope's all buttoned up, and she sort of... Uh, becomes even more buttoned yeah, up. Yeah, becomes like sort of a... Uh, uh, Veronica Hermione is... Uh, she's she's super religious. She this Their experience in this episode makes her uh, court the dark yeah. side, quote unquote. I, I think, if anything, Hermione goes through... Not exactly the least changed, but the most predictable arc over the course of the episode. I don't yeah. think that Tomo makes it sure. less... Nope, I'm no. talking about Hermione. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the uh, she it makes it sad because you know where she's going. Yeah. But if anything, she's the one who's the most straightforward. Where everybody else is trying to fight against their destinies, fight against what the town of Riverdale wants them to become. Um, yeah, I don't the, know. this experience sort of releases her. Also, yes. speaking of Cheryl, uh, she, Penelope. We, yeah, we get okay, you a, really actually do need to specify because we're talking about two different time periods. Well, I don't care. It, we're talking about <laughs> Cheryl. Uh, so, uh, oh could you just say Madeline Patch if you're no, talking about the no, actress? No, no, I'm talking about Cheryl. Oh, my God. No. This is going to be the most confusing thing ever. Great. Uh, so we get to learn more about her family, you know, and like the how creepy that family is and the, all right, this well, stuff. Oh, hold on. We can do. set this up a little better. So yeah. uh, they are all in the classroom. They get bored immediately and decide to do a game of what was it called? Sinners and saints or yeah. sins and no, it's sins uh, and questions. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Whatever it's, it is. Uh, it's basically, I wrote it down. Uh, secrets and sins. Secrets and sins, which is basically like, hey, tell us a truth secret. Truth or dare. Yeah. It's not even truth or dare. It's just like, tell me a horrible secret about yourself. It's like playing conversation. <laughs> like playing <laughs> yes. get to know a person. Right. Should we do that real quick? Yeah. Should we play a game of secrets and sins? I, no, I, no. I told, I promised my parents I wouldn't play that game. No, no, no. Come on, let's do it. Just a quick game of secrets and sins, okay. and then we'll worship a gargoyle king. Okay, great, great, secrets yeah. and sins. Um, no. I'll, I'll start it off. When I was a kid... I used to sit in the backyard and tear the uh, legs off of Daddy Long Legs and then oh watch them twitch in the dirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> that makes so much sense now. Yeah. What a yeah. dark Holy child. shit. You're uh, fucked up, man. Whatever, man. We're just sharing. We're becoming closer as you know, friends or whatever. Yeah. In this midnight club. Pete, what about you? What's your... Uh, what's Did your... you really fucking do that? Yeah, man. <laughs> Are you serious? He's quite... Yeah. He's giving you us seriously his seriously did that? Pete, what about you? Do you know anything about serial killer personalities? No, I started I'm off with about Daddy Longlegs, and then I moved up to cats. Oh, then it was dogs, and then, well, children started disappearing in the small town of Port Washington. <laughs> Nobody knew where they went. Nobody knew until years later when the same thing started happening in Parkslope, Brooklyn. It's <laughs> <laughs> happening. This Alex, is so creepy, Alex man. Alex is losing it. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Pete, what's your secret? It's very sin? hot in this room yeah. recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've revealed so much crazy shit about me over the years. Like, I know, but I honestly think there's more. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Well, speaking of uh, stoop sale, I got uh, my first stoop sale in Brooklyn. I got in a huge fight with this guy because after a while when you're having a stoop sale, you know, at first it's like, hey, come check it out. But then you're drinking and you're outside in the sun and you start to like what? heckle people like, what, my stuff's not fucking good enough for you? You know, and that gets like uh, a really contagious. How and, old are you? 
uh, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago. Oh. I mean, it was so like 14 tw- or something. Yeah. I think it was young 20s, maybe late 30s. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Here's what I'll tell you. If you start telling the story to us, mm-hmm. we can flash back and one of us will be playing young people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't wait till I get that shot. <laughs> you couldn't be a young me. Oh, yeah, I already am. <laughs> I'm a young word. I'm like, you're already so not, I'm like four your years deepest, younger darkest than you. Good is you got drunk and yelled at some people at a stoop sale. Uh, oh, no, we got you? in a fist fight in the middle of uh, Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, that's pretty uh, bad. That's horrible. What about you, Justin? What's your. Mm, that's tough. There's been so. There's been. We've lived so long in our lives. Um, in the third grade, I wet my pants in the library. Third grade, late to be wetting your pants. I really had to go, but I wanted to check out these books. And I was like, my pants are wet. I'm going to get busted. But when we got back to the classroom, it was the day all the prizes came in from the like book fair or whatever, mm-hmm. so no one noticed. Oh man! Wait, no one noticed you wet your pants? No one told me. <laughs> wow! <laughs> no one made fun of There's me for the rest of my life. The two yeah, yeah. There is a difference, but it didn't haunt you. Really? Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, you got away with one. Yeah, there. Exactly. I got yeah. away with something. Did you try it again? Because you're like, I got oh, away with you're it like once. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Be now honest, I don't ever have to go to the bathroom. I, I have never haven't walked in the bathroom since. It's pee pants city. Yeah. yeah. Man. Oh, uh, you're peeing right now. Yeah. Oh, you guys noticed? I gotta be honest, you have a rip in your pants, (laughs) which I have thought the entire time we've been here that you peed your pants. Oh, no. It's a worn spot. It's not a uh, wet spot. Okay, but it is easy enough to pee out that spot if you want. Uh, Yeah, I guess. Also, where... Never, I don't want to get into where my penis is. Uh, So, let's give it... What a great sidebar that was. We learned so much about each other. Uh, So, they go through the game of... Secrets and Sins? Yeah. Secrets and Sinners. That's a, that's a very silly name. Uh, and we that's find out a lot about on. the characters, which I yeah. liked quite a bit. Um, I mean, the craziest stuff was the the Blossom details. Absolutely. Uh, so Penelope was uh, in an orphanage, right? And the, the Blossom family came and were like, give us a red-headed yeah. child. And she got picked up to be... Um, uh, Mr. Blossom's, uh, what's his name? Cliff, Cliff Blossom's uh, sister and then partner, which is right. a weird progression. Yeah. It also, note, the orphanage was the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, who yeah. even back in the parents' day apparently was completely fucked up because yeah. Sergiara is like, yo, that place has so many violations. Yeah. How has it stayed open this long? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. How has that happened? I don't uh, know. Uh, yeah. But that was definitely that system. detail about the Blossom family that illuminates a lot about Penelope in particular. Yeah. It's her relationship between her and Cliff. Uh, it also sets up the weird fucked up brother situation between Cheryl and Jason yeah. that led into the show. And it certainly makes me wonder if one of them, particularly Cheryl, is adopted as well. Yeah, like that's their, what they do is they pick yeah. up. Uh, very well could be. Also, the... Wait, sorry, Peter, are you asking for permission to speak? <laughs> no. Because uh, we can do the, uh, the invocation. Invocation. I started talking, but I figured you're going to yell at me and tell me to wait till the end. So that's what I'm going to do. Oh, well, then, yeah, then please wait because yeah. we're not there yet. Uh, yeah. The other thing we learned that, that very uh, pertinent to this episode is Fred's dad is sick, obviously, with some sort of flannel infection, <laughs> uh, which plays out as the <laughs> show. <on. laughs> the show <You're> <laughs> fucking on. What are you talking about? Somebody's dad died, all right? Uh, we, we don't know that yet, uh, but obviously, it's a a family issue. It's in the genes yeah. that uh, he flannel sort of. Gets Fred Andrews out. has flannelitis on the show. That's been yeah. established. That's why he couldn't be mayor of Riverdale. Yeah, was you guys he, are fucking monsters. He yeah. coughed and a, and a red striped ball came out <laughs> of his mouth. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, another fight breaks out in the detention, giving them even more detentions, which is where things get to be trouble. And that's when they start to become friends because yeah. they share sandwiches. Uh, well, let's talk about that. So we find out a lot. Well, not a lot, but a bit about the Tom Sierra relationship, which has been teased in the background yeah. a bit of the series, um, played by Casey Cott and Ashley Murray. Uh, what do you think about this? What did you think about their relationship? And we're going to be seeing more. They've already talked about this or very strongly intimated that the two of them are going to get married later on this season. Yeah. Um, do you like this relationship? Yeah. You're talking about the mayor and. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Josie's yeah. mom and yeah. uh, Kevin's dad. Yeah. I, I think this helps explain their really sweet. their affair a lot. Their affair makes uh, is a now sort sense. of the, the yeah. sweet end to their true love story as opposed to a tawdry secret affair that fucks up their lives. Right. <laughs> it's also interesting to note that both 
that the parents basically have held on to all of their childhood romances. Yeah. That whatever pairing they were in originally in high school, that's their OTP at this point. Well, that's what they're heading towards. Also states about how strong your like your first love really is, you know, how much it can stay with you. Yeah. Do you think that's ultimately a good thing though that they I understand this is a T drama, so whatever is gonna happen, but uh do you think ultimately them saying, Okay, FP and Alice were in love that was their first love that is also going to be their last love. And that it's the same thing with Sierra and Tom and the same thing with everybody else. Is that good or is that bad? I think it's good. Why would it be bad? Uh, I think it's good, especially because in the show, the uh, the main characters, the young characters, their romances aren't super surprising. It feels very much like they're locked into their couples and they're just going to keep going on, at least where we are right now. So the, the parents' romances are actually the more interesting ones and the more ones that are likely to flare up. And like FP, the F Palace is, the, is where it's at. Yeah. I mean, I think you could also argue that when they, were, when they were in these original pairings, they were happy. And then by the end of the episode, in particular, after what happens, they're giving up what they want. They're giving up their essential natures, Sad. going yeah. to what they think they should be doing, or uh, particularly in the case of somebody like Sierra, who starts off saying, I never want to be mayor. That sounds like a terrible job. She traps herself in her worst nightmare. Yeah. So a lot of what they're doing and a lot of their motivation, I think, now going forward is clearly that they want to break out of this trap that they've stuck themselves in. And it'll be interesting to see with Griffins and Gargoyles being the thing that trapped them back in the day, if now that that's back in the mix, if everybody's going to be like, fuck it, we don't care anymore. Let's just be who we want to be. Are you predicting uh, Fred and Hermione? I'm always predicting Fred and Hermione. I think <laughs> they are so much better for each other than Hermione and Hiram are. Oh, for sure. But it, it feels like that st- that plot has been just smashed. Like yeah. truly yeah. smashed with a hammer, like yeah, untouched. No. They did have that handshake at the end of last season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, true. I shake Way a lot of hands. Way to keep hope alive, bro. Way to keep hope alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if Hermione and Hiram uh, break up, then how, how does Hiram, he's just a villain from a distance? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's why I'm, I think F Palace is definitely here to stay. Uh, Fred and Hermione, I don't know. Mm. I think Hiram can get with Penny, Penny Peabody. Yeah, but what? That's just only because they're both evil. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's not enough to start a relationship on, Alex. Uh, I've I tried it. I've tried oh, it. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Evil on evil just gets to be not good. Mm. <laughs> That's weird that putting two evils together would be a bad thing. Well, yeah, you've got big opposites attract. Yeah. Cancel it out. Definitely. So they get extra detention and they find Griffiths and Gargoyles. They open up the drawer, find the game. They're like, let's play this fun, dumb game. Uh, they pick characters that reflect their true and it selves. Was Alice's idea to play. Yeah. Well. She was the one who pushed it. Uh, and everyone quickly becomes obsessed, so much so that they start <laughs> dressing up like the characters. Uh, well, it's it's just not a slow road there, but it's a little bit of a gentle road. There's a lot of time dashing. Going yes, on. I will say it's the slowest uh, build up in like Riverdale show that moves at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. They do sort of be like, and then they eventually start dressing up like these characters. I, I would argue that if you put aside the fact that they have the teen actors playing their own parents playing a crazy game called Griffins and Gargoyles that summons a being called the Gargoyle King that murders people. If you put that aside, this was maybe the most reasonably paced episode and plotted episode of Riverdale ever. Best. Yeah, I told you. That's, <laughs> that's not exactly what I'm saying. No, well, I, I think you're right, though, because it, it is telling one story as right. opposed to most other episodes are like that story. No, not now we're going to do this story. And now we have a sort of side story about uh, jury like intimidation, and then that's already over with. And then we're moving on quickly to the next thing. This was just like a sustained story that they that was told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not saying I don't like I like both versions. No, I think they're great. And I'm, I think this was a nice break and it really drilled it in really on the was. characters and told yeah. us a lot more about the situations. Um, yeah. I mean, I love Riverdale on a weekly basis, so I'm happy to see it change it up and I'm happy to see it when it's cuckoo bananas like yeah. it usually is. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about the odd. Uh, they kind of switch things up where like because they are playing the parents, you know, they kind of uh, Cheryl made that move to get uh, to. 
pair up the couples. Penelope. Again, Penelope. Penelope yes. has FP go off with Hermione. Yeah. And then he has uh, Fred, uh, go, Fred off. go off So with this, Alice. you have to be so excited because you finally got your kiss that you've been wanting for so long. Uh, I mean, I it was this is the closest you're gonna get, so you better fucking enjoy it. I don't we're not gonna so, destroy the relationship. So, All right, you will never see this again. Uh, you're talking about, of course, Archie uh, kissing, kissing Betty in the future yeah. when we had Fred Anders kissing um, Alice. Now, what would you here. say their ship name is? Is it Phallus? I, I think we could probably use Phallus for Fred and Alice. Oh, interesting. Um, no, we can't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they go off in these second groups, and FP tries to kiss Hermione, and she's like, no, no yeah, back up, like, which is straight, great. Because yeah, it was fun, because they were like, we found the gem together, and there was like yeah. this moment, and then she was like, oh. Yeah, yeah which uh, was lovely, but on the other hand, Fred's like, I've got my 90210 eyes. Yeah. Let's smooch a You tell and me this is working right now? That was great. Yeah. I thought I love that. And Al I, Red. And I love that they cut back to Betty in that moment. She was like, What? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do? You kissed Fred Andrews? And uh, she and was they, like, it was like placing a wet dishcloth against my mouth. <laughs> You're an asshole. You're a fucking <laughs> a freshly moistened dishcloth. Lukewarm, of course. Oh, uh, uh, so, anyways, moving on. It was that was just like a, a, a. I feel like that was a gesture toward the love triangle aspect of the Archie characters, yeah, but the, they didn't dwell. It had no bearing on the story. Either. Yeah, because no, they were like, but "Hey, it was, a, it was like a fun sidebar." Yep. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if this is exactly right, but there's a lot of different movies that this is pulling on, most specifically The Breakfast Club. But that moment felt very Princess Bride to me, in particular. Oh, interesting. Um, we're constantly cutting back to Fred Savage being like, "Oh, yeah. kissing stuff." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving on, um, everyone's obsessed. Uh, you got FP wearing the Jughead crown, which is a fun little thing. Yeah. Uh, then they bump into another gang of people playing G and G, which also in costumes, also at school, uh, which was wild. Um, we see the Gargoyle King starts to uh, influence the game, starts to be providing them with these details. Yeah. And well, they well, let me ask you guys a question before we get too far. Yeah. In it. I don't remember whether we talked about this on the podcast or in relationship with G&G uh, so far. Um, but did you guys play D&D back in the day? Did you play role-playing games? We talked games? about this. We did talk about yeah, this? Yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, I did not um, because I lived in the country and no one <laughs> okay. no one really, no one, I, I didn't know anyone playing that and also no one like hung out. Like parents weren't driving everybody yeah. around like 30 minutes to the other houses. And I played it a little bit. Like I did a couple of games with people, but I don't think we ever got to that obsessive level. I didn't, we never really built up consistent characters or anything like that. Um, but I do know people who do that, who yeah. are like obsessed with D and D. So even though this is taken to the Uber extension over the course of this episode of how sucked in people get in that game, I think it does kind of make sense. Like it's not yeah. too far of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Pete? You, uh, yeah, a friend of mine had Sega and the trade off was I would play Dungeons and Dragons with him and then we would play Sega afterwards. Ah, yeah. so you wanted nice. to play the Sega? Yeah, I was there for the Sega, and then <laughs> okay. I, I played. You just, I just, uh, I had a hard time understanding it because it seemed like he was making up all the rules, and then it was like I would roll the dice and he would tell me what happens, and I was like, this isn't fun. Uh, but I do think the thing that people do get addicted to is the if you're in a you know you're a kid you don't get to uh, do what you want explore your imagination very much. Yeah. This game was something with a very particular ladder that you could easily climb, and it was all about just like innovating and imagining your way forward and out of these situations, solving tiny problems, which is very addicting. So yeah, I agree with you. I sort of buy into this. Ass. Yeah, there was definitely uh, uh, underground games going on in my town. Oh, yeah, what kind? Dice? Dogfighting? No, like... Uh, D&D. D&D, yeah. yeah. Like the baseball card shop, would cl- uh, when they would close, a bunch of nerds would come over and play D&D all night. Nice. So uh, Penelope and Dilton's dad, who I'm forgetting the name of, are the two dungeon managers of the separate party, but they all become part of the secret Midnight Club mm-hmm. that is playing Midnight G&G Club. together. Uh, and then they get some secret letters. Yeah, from um, the Gargoyle King. Now, it seems like they were just sort of like, haha, we're having fun, and didn't really, they thought maybe someone else in the group was doing it. Right. Which is what we 
that's part of the mystery of this. But they weren't th- didn't feel any sort of threat by that. No, because at the same time they were introduced to a drug called uh, Fizzle Rocks. Fizzle Rocks. Fizzle Rocks. Okay, let's talk about Jingle Jingle. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about Fizzle Rocks for a second. So. We're, we have an entire episode about the dangers of D&D, which, again, straight out of the 80s when people were freaking out, satanic panic about this game is going to turn all of our children into Satanists and they're abandoning D&D everywhere. The other ridiculous rumor, for those of you who didn't grow up in the 80s, uh, was that if you had Pop Rocks, which were new at the time, and uh, drank Coca-Cola, you'd yeah. explode. Yeah. Uh, so that's what Hiram Lodge is doing there, yeah. is he's eating Pop Rocks and drinking and he's like, yo, I got this new drug, man. You got to check it out. Also, I thought it was like a little bit because, you know, when you think of the 80s and you think of rocks, you think of crack a little bit. So you think he was just like... Drinking crack. Uh, yeah, I was like, I mean, the way they act is crazy. We're cracked Because yeah. Jingle Jangle, it seems like it makes you, Jingle Jangle, I equate with like ecstasy uh, yeah. or something like that. This feels like it, they're tripping balls. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I feel like Fizzle Rocks is if Jingle Jangle did Jingle Jangle. Right. Well, That's maybe the they're intense. Taking, maybe they're taking Fizzle Rocks and breaking them down to make the powder that goes in Jingle Jangle. So yeah. Jingle Jangle is a less intense form of Fizzle Rocks. Right. Though well. it certainly makes sense since Hiram is the deal of both of them in both timelines. Yeah. Um, also, the party that they have because they're Fredheads. Fredheads play. They play for four people. Dude, <laughs> that was fantastic. But the party is very similar and it's shot in a very similar way to the way they have that first Jingle Jangle party last yeah. season. Yeah. So it's a clear shout out there but as you mentioned earlier, your Penelope's dance moves are oh, hilarious. It's all great. It's great. And that the whole other thing, thing was glorious. That I thought was interesting. So it's the classic Archie's lineup of instruments that's going on down to everybody's positions but it's not who usually plays in the Archies. They're all right. in different positions than when they normally play. Yeah. Like specifically the weirdest one to me was that Veronica was on uh, the tambourine while Betty was on the drums. No, not the drums on the piano, but it's reversed in the Archies. Yeah. I don't know if that means anything, but I'm just throwing that out. I there. thought that uh, in the, in Josie and the Pussycats, the comic and also cartoon that Veronica was on the... Uh, no, no, no. Tamer. But this is like the Archie's lineup down to where everybody is standing. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's what the Fred heads are. So if I remember correctly, Archie is in the same position as Fred. Jughead is... Yeah, here we go. I'll show you a picture. Jughead's Jughead on the drums. Jughead is on the drums. Yeah. Uh, Betty is on the tambourine and the Archie is instead here. It's Veronica. Uh, and Veronica is on the piano while she's actually on the tambourine. And the last one is Josie is on the bass guitar. Uh, but in the Archie is it's actually Reggie is on the bass guitar. Also of note, uh, hot dog is there and alive and not uh, the third hot dog. So that's probably important. Huge. I think that's a huge reveal that we will definitely feel the ramifications of. Yeah, 100%. Again, I don't think it meant anything, but it was a fun Easter egg, but it was breaking my brain a little that everybody was in slightly the wrong position. See, you've become obsessed with it, just like G&G, because you are looking for answers. You're saying just because I spend all day thinking about Riverdale and writing about Riverdale and podcasting about Riverdale and tweeting with other people about Riverdale, I've become obsessed with Riverdale? I don't know, did did you create a T-shirt and then try to sell it? Yeah, <laughs> you can buy it now on our Threadless shop, comicbookclub.threadless.com. Oh what do I do? Uh, yeah, we actually have it. It's a Riverdale After Dark shirt. You can check it out there. I know. I, I got to get one. Yeah. Dream Warriors. Uh, what? Uh, Alice? No, no, they sing uh, Dream Warriors oh. from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors, right? Yeah. Arguably the best Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> okay. Is, is that true? It's. Have you seen the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? No, well, he, no. Doesn't, he doesn't like scary movies. Right, yeah. sick, sick. Uh, Dream Warriors is, is actually pretty good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street is probably the best. Yeah. New Nightmare is probably the second best. Have I you, like New Nightmare. New Nightmare is very and the good. first one's. I don't know. It, it's also stuck in when they came out. Uh, a little sure, bit. but the effects are still New really Nightmare good. Nightmare is horrifying in yes. a totally different way. But Dream Warriors is more like the action movie version right. of it. Uh, the plot of the movie, which I do think is applicable here, and I think why they use the song is it's about a group of kids that have had enough of Freddy Krueger. They're like, fuck this. We're going to go into the dream and we're going to kill Freddy Krueger. Yeah. So just in terms of a bunch of kids facing off against a monster who wants to kill them at night, I think that's kind of the reference 
difference that's going yeah, on there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so uh, then shit starts to get real. Alice goes to the bathroom, sees the two chalices. chalices. Um, Flip for your fate is written in so graffiti. So just really quickly, uh, how long chalice. was she in the bathroom where someone had all that time to write? Well, it was clearly uh, set up. Yes. Uh, Chalice is the ship name of Cheryl and Alice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh very unlikely coupling, I would think. <laughs> uh, uh, did you get, this is uh, taking a step back, did you get like a sense of something with Penelope and Sierra? Yeah. Yeah, together? Nice. Like, I Well, yeah, it felt like there was something there, and that may tie into why Penelope treats Cheryl's... Uh, lesbian slash bisexual interests that way yeah because she's afraid of the urges that are in herself yeah. uh that checks out uh so there's a lot of very intricate bathroom graffiti uh, uh alice does not drink from the, the chalices she smart lady she sees the gargoyle king who is in the same outfit as he is in the current day yeah mm-hmm. important to know very tall uh yeah but it's the Outfit is tall. That doesn't mean it has to be a tall person in there because there's a lot of twigs and stuff. So we've it could be a short person. We've established on this podcast that tall is evil. Yeah. Right. So prove me wrong. The gargoyle <laughs> king, like a, a short person, could be running that setup. <laughs> <laughs> no way, Pete. That theory is insane. Yeah. Right, cool. Here's the thing: the though. gargoyle king is the tallest person in uh, Riverdale, and I won't hear any other answer. <laughs> I, I, I will say that Pete has thrown out on this pod more than on this podcast <laughs> than any other true. the most insane theories that turn out to be 100 percent correct. Exactly, because we all say a lot of theories, and I can't believe that Pete's are the ones. Right. That are. We're gonna two episodes from now. Somebody's gonna be like, "Wait a second, a short person's running that game." Yeah. <laughs> We're like, ah, shit. Everybody's going to be like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is clearly the Gargoyle King. And turns out it's going to be, uh, I don't know, a short person. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tom Any Cruise. person shorter than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, yeah. Good luck finding him. <laughs> uh, so the Gargoyle King is there. Alice, not scared. Principal Featherhead comes in. Great name, by the way. Yep. And she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Right. She leaves, tries to call all of her friends from the Midnight Club, can't get a hold of them. Because they're tripping balls. They're tripping balls. Uh, gets to school. None of them are there. Finally bumps into Hermione and is like, don't you know, Fred's dad died. Oh, and that's what actually scared them. None of them got busted. Uh, really threw a wrench into their uh, <laughs> their uh, jingle jingle party. Right. And we should mention uh, Fred's Dad's Dead is the final nightmare. So probably another. Yeah. Fred's uh, Dead. Yeah. Fred's Dead. Yeah. Fred's Dead. Uh, We're all saying that now, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Uh, good. So this felt like a weird, we'd never meet Fred's dad. We don't know. It's only important in that it it sort of puts a stop to their fun. It slows them down. And Penelope's like, we can't talk about this. We have to keep this a secret. Fred's like, I can't believe I've been dressing up like a knight rather than being with my sick dad, which I got to say, agreed. Yeah. (laughs) That was sort of fucked up. Well, and I think what we see off of this, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, is this event leads everybody to embrace who they are today, who we know today. And I think that includes Fred, who beyond the fact that he's like, I'm going to go work in this job, banging boards or whatever, that he is... Gives up his guitar, man. Yeah, well, he's steady and he's true and he doesn't take risks anymore. And I think that's all because of this event. Uh, Because what happens is... spit pact. There you go. You knew it was going to come back to that. They all make the spit pact. They all agree they're never, ever going to talk about this. Well, we have to say the reason that the stakes get even higher after Fred's dad dies is that they find that Principal Featherhead is Principal Feather dead. Yeah. Uh, they find him in the closet after he... There are fly, the he's been there so long, there are flies coming out. Right. And he has cool lips, which Blue we lips. know means that he drank from the chalice. We don't know why he drank from the chalice. It does seem we probably he was went like, into the girls' bathroom, saw the two channels two chalices there and then read all the graffiti and was like, well, I'll try one of these. I'll flip for my fate. Why yeah. not? I'm yeah. here. I'm in the ba- I'm in says, a girl's bathroom. It says right. flip for my fate. So there's, well. there's clearly a lot of information that's been left out and yeah. as we find out towards the end of the episode, Alice hasn't really asked about it, I think because they were so freaked out by the situation. Uh, but we do see Principal Featherhead with the blue lips. Also, we see the weird writing on the door mm-hmm. uh, from the Gargoyle King that we've seen around town. Um, I'll note to give a shout out to another podcast just because I saw them post this earlier today. Dial M for Maple noticed that the letters are very similar to the Lovecraftian alphabet. Mm. Uh, and weirdly, it spells out T H K. No, uh, 
TGH. Sorry about that. TGH, mm. uh, which is weird. The Gargoyle King. No, no, no. no. Uh, no. King starts with K. Yeah. Not so. H. Uh, so it is weird that it's like TGH. That certainly seems like some sort of clue that that's putting over there. And those letters are exactly translatable into Lovecraftian yeah. alphabet. Uh, but we don't know what it means yet. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we start to figure out, find out what, how the other characters have been, have been changed. Hermione becomes a badass. Uh, Josie's mom and Tom Keller break up. Penelope des- decides to get with her brother slash husband and FP trades his letterman jacket for his serpent Can we talk jacket. about that? Uh, Trevor Steins came back as Cliff Blossom and still said absolutely yeah, nothing. That was amazing. Like, uh, I oh, felt, it's Jason Blossom. Uh, well, he was Jason Blossom. The, the actor who played Jason comes back as playing Cliff, Cliff Blossom, yeah. but still doesn't say a single word. Yes. Uh, like that was so purposeful and so clear because he said had no dialogue when he was Jason Blossom the entire time. Um, I, I was frustrated for him as an actor, but I thought that was a really funny Easter yeah, egg. I thought it was fun too. Uh, also, it was very interesting that they made a point to talk about Clifford a bunch in this episode, but he wasn't really around a lot, which would have he would have been the guy kind of left out of this G and G game. So to me, maybe he is creepy enough to pull something off, like trying to be the... Uh... So well, let's get to that in a little bit while we make some predictions. Uh, to finish out what happens in the episode, um, the, perhaps the saddest moment um, and the, uh, what caps off the montage of what all the, how the characters have changed is Alice asks out Hal Cooper. Yeah, uh, which uh, sort Just of happens to be standing right there. He's like, "You want to take me for a milkshake?" Which I saw, I thought was sad. He's like, "Yeah,", yeah. Uh, and she's rubbing her belly. Clearly, he's never seen a TV show because if somebody's rubbing their belly, they pregnant. They pregnant, or they or pregnant. they just had a full meal out of their favorite restaurant, <laughs> Applebee's. Uh, the, uh, the midnight club becomes strangers. Um, they drift apart and go their separate ways. We come back and Alice is talking to Betty. She's like, wait, you didn't do any detective work. And she's like, no, we're, we're not detectives. And Betty's like, fuck you. I'm doing this. So Betty throws on a deer sucker hat and pulls out her magnifying glass. She's like, the game is afoot. Definitely that. Betty checks her mother's sources, uh, sees the, uh, the carvings in the, in the window. Can I, uh, can I mention something just, uh, it ties into Betty looking around, but uh, they also have this montage sequence where uh, th- this is what leads Betty to search these different places is they talk about how they took the different elements of Griffins and Gargoyles and broke it up around town, spread it. Some of it was thrown in the Sweetwater River. Some of it was placed here. Some of it was placed there. Some, someone's like, I'll put it in the trophy case. Right. Well, what? Well, what I... This might be like a crazy theory, but I think the implication there is that the darkness in Riverdale actually started with this. And it was them taking these elements of griffins and gargoyles and spreading it all over the town. And it didn't come to fruition until years later when Jason Blossom died and the whole series kicked off. But... I think it traces back to there. I think at least that's thematically what they're trying to say based on the different areas that they're saying they threw these pieces of the game. Interesting. That could be. Uh, I feel like they're going to find some more darkness uh, perhaps in the next season. <laughs> also, yeah, no, 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 I think so. But I, I'm just saying like right now, I think that's retro, how they're retconning it. That yeah. They're sort of saying like the darkness has seeped into the ground of Riverdale right, and right. it all started cool. here. Well, uh, you don't think maybe next season we're going to get the grandparents in like the 50s doing fucked up stuff? Of course oh, we are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they're not in space. So you were saying <laughs> they're looking at the carvings. They're looking at all the initials. Yep. And there is a GH initial. And so if we're talking about like, uh, you know, yeah, GH, I saw they carved one of the, it was GH. Yeah. I mean, we, so I think, uh, well, let's finish out the episode and then we should start having our theories about what's up. Uh, Betty finds the, the chalices right in the trophy case, hiding in plain sight. And she's like, I got to go find Jughead. She runs to the bunker where the sex bunker. they live now and have sex, apparently. And Jughead is playing uh, G&G. And he's and really he's into it. Really into he looks it. like he's yeah. really hyped up on like, like really like drinking a lot of Mountain Dew, playing role playing games. Yeah. Like he is hyped. <laughs> Not just that. He's there with Shoney and I think Fangs and Sweet Pea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a very quick shot, but I'm not sure. But he's like, I'm up to the third level. I'm going to be the Gargoyle King. Yeah. And Betty, we start to get that angled shot where she starts to, she was having a seizure oh, in previous episodes. No. Yeah. This is about to get real bad real quick. Oh, yes. I didn't even think about that. Yes. Keep in mind, we're on the fourth episode of the season. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> 
There's so I much. Love the show. Yeah, it's so. There's insane. so much. It does feel like we're. I can't watch regular television after this. No, it's I, like, have you watched the news? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's too slow. Yeah, not enough. Not enough cuts. Uh, uh, you mentioned theories. You wanted to yeah, talk let's about. Talk Should about, we talk so, about who we think the Gargoyle King is? So at this point? is the implication that someone in the Midnight Club is the Gargoyle King? That's. Definitely what they want us to think. Yes. Right? Because that's they literally said that a yeah, bunch. they literally said that out loud. Knowing the show, that could be a misdirect. Mm-hmm. But it certainly seems like as we talked about on the podcast, it needs to be somebody that existed back in the day, right. uh, but also exists in the present time, or alternately somebody one of the theories we throw out in previous episodes was that it was Ethel's father and Ethel. So it could be a bridging of generations like that. But at the very least, I would, I would venture a guess. It's somebody in the midnight club. Yeah. Probably not one of the main players, but it's, and I don't think it's Penelope or Dilton's dad at this point, uh, just because they both seem very confused about who had set up the Ascension as part of the game. Right. Um, Although he never said anything. Cheryl just keeps going, hey, uh, I didn't do it. Did you? And he just looks like, ooh. Yeah, that's fair. He never, uh, he never the, really The biggest question anything. I think coming out of the episode is why did Principal Featherhead drink that? Yeah. You know, why did he do that? Because, like you said, walking into the girls' bathroom and be like, well, I guess I'll drink these cups. But it was weird because it was like, if he walked in, the Gargoyle King had to be, like, right behind him. Well, the Gargoyle King had to be right behind him. Also, somebody had to be in there previously setting up the whole school and drawing everything on the mirrors and all over the bathroom. Uh, So it needs to be somebody with access to the school because we also saw that they were sneaking around in order to get into the school. Um, So somebody that either had that access or was able to set up access in some way could potentially be multiple people. Um, I don't know. I don't know at this point. Do you, uh, do either of you have a theory? Principal Featherhead. All right. Killed himself. Uh, I don't know if we know exactly if it's that body, the amount of decay that they, there's no reason he had to be stuck there and not found for all that time. And all the flies in the building felt a little odd. And the fact that the body was so decomposed, I feel like maybe we'll find something later that would explain away why his body, maybe they, uh, that was my first guess. But the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to put it on Clifford Blossom. Uh, interesting. He's and he's still alive. Yeah. Uh, Even though he got hung in a barn and burned. <laughs> well, uh, you know, like we said, there's other family members that maybe picked up sure. the Claudius. Yeah, yeah. Claudius for sure. He's oddly vanished this season. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I, Featherhead. I mean, also the fact that it's Anthony Michael Hall uh, yeah. guesting. I feel like that's a big celebrity, and he was. Barely used in this episode, right? Uh, but so you, uh, I was like, "Come on, guys, we got him for two hours. Yeah, <laughs> let's exactly. do this." Yeah, uh, and then he was like, he had that fun aside, like, "Because I've got nothing better to do with my life." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, uh, this is still based on absolutely nothing." But I'll just throw out Tom Keller just because he seems the least integral to the plot at this point. Interesting. Um, also, his initials are TK. Like, if his middle name turns out to be Gregory, that's the Gargoyle King, TGK. Yeah, that's, uh, except it's an H. Well, it's an H with the, that alphabet, whatever that clue is. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know. Are you trying to use the regular alphabet? Yeah, the regular human alphabet. The human alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I only only use the Cthulhu alphabet. Great. All right, we got those theories uh, for this episode only. Betty, well, actually, let's not do Betty or Veronica. Let's do Alice or Hermione. In this episode only, Alice or Hermione, who won the episode? Pete. Cheryl. All day. <laughs> Do you mean, you mean Penelope? Penelope? <laughs> yep. Oh, God. You're the worst. Justin, what uh, about you? I, I mean, Alice was great. I think both Alices were great. Uh, yep. uh, Mother Alice and uh, Betty playing Alice. <laughs> Mother Alice. Mother Alice, please. Uh, I think they just, she was the main character of this episode. I love the way that uh, she was portrayed. Um, and I also think... Uh, Alice in the, our present day, like she felt more, she's portrayed as crazy in so much of Riverdale. And the fact that she was just like telling the story to her daughter, I just love that scene. I, I gotta bottom, say, Alice. like as a kind of like teen drama, 
you know, we joke about how it's over the top, but man, the acting has really been carrying this, and I've been really impressed with a lot of the acting choices they've been making. I agree. I'm also going to go with Alice for this episode, specifically Lily Reinhardt anchored yeah. the entire episode, and Great. I thought she was awesome. This has very much been her season so far. She is doing such a good job in all of her various roles and portraying so many difficult emotions. Very cool stuff. If you'd like to support this show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Please come on by. It's totally free. We'll chat about Riverdale. What else do you want to plug? Pete? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for the podcast and more. Also, our dedicated Twitter account at Riverdale Dark. Remember to buy our t-shirts, please, on our Threadless yeah. store. And if you ever see a Danny Long legs. Pull off those legs. No, you Do it. fucked up. Watch what happens. They never stop moving, Pete. And remember, we've been our fathers this whole time. My name <laughs> is right. my name is Jerston. <laughs> my name is Steven. <laughs> my, my name is William. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs>